Welcome in, everybody. It's great to have you with us as we take a drive into the future of mobility, not just the mobility that you will be participating in as the owner of a vehicle, but what will be heading up your driveway to deliver your packages, how your local government will be playing a role, not only in making sure that smart roads and smart intersections can make it more efficient and safer, but also how the state of Michigan can participate in this incredibly uh, fast-growing technologically exciting sphere of the economy to make sure that our people have the skills to participate at a level where we are leaders, not followers. And let's us also explore what the proper role of government is, whether it's incentivizing or whether it's direct investment. We're going to look at all of that as we explore mobility in Michigan. Coming up, we're going to be speaking to leaders from Bridgestone who are leading the way in new vehicle technology and sustainability. We'll be speaking with Amazon, will be really one of the first adopters of the electrification and also autonomous features in vehicles. And finally, we'll be speaking with the lead mobility officer for the state of Michigan. All ahead on our Mobility Makers Special Edition here on Newstalk 760 WJR. Welcome back to our Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone. And we welcome in the president of Mobility Solutions for Bridgestone, Brian Goldstein. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Guy. Very excited to be able to join you today on this Mobility Makers uh, show. Well, the best part about being leadoff hitter is that you can take whatever pitch you want. So let, why don't we just start by setting the stage right now? Obviously, it's been a highly unusual year. Um, remembering back five and six years ago, 2021 was kind of tagged as the date where we were going to be seeing the first level four fully autonomous vehicles, maybe even hitting the roads. Obviously, we're there and that hasn't quite happened yet. How close are we to having uh, that kind of level for integration and and uh, the beginnings of market penetration. Yeah, I think we're well on our way. We've obviously seen significant change uh, in recent years, and some of those changes accelerated by the pandemic, and others potentially slowed a bit. I think uh, the move toward autonomous um, maybe a slowed a bit, uh, but we are continuing to see this digital transformation. Um, continue. So where we see really the physical world uh, meeting with digital technologies and really driving this rapid advancement uh, in change, I, I think is, is happening. Um, I'm not sure about putting an exact date to when we'll see kind of broad level four autonomous uh, vehicles on the road, but we're definitely still headed in that direction. Um, I think consumer behavior is changing, um, and I think the technology is there to support those behaviors. Talk to me about how uh, consumer behavior is changing, and specifically also how that the pandemic might have thrown a curveball into things by uh, maybe changing the way uh, our mobility needs have changed? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is really an acceleration of the service-oriented society. So obviously more things being delivered to our homes than ever before. Um, you can't go, uh, you know, without seeing an Amazon truck driving down the street, not only necessarily once a day, but multiple times a day. And so that means that there is a greater demand uh, for smart supply chains than ever before. Uh, there's a demand for solutions to help enable uh, the vehicles that are delivering all of these packages to make sure that they maximize uptime uh, so they can get the packages where they need to be. 
Um, so we continue to see a, a push for additional solutions to help support the change in consumer behavior in this way. And I asked that as kind of an umbrella question, and you answered with the, the commercial application side of the equation. Is that because that's where we will see these autonomous developments happen first? I think that's the case. I think you'll see autonomous um, in many aspects and commercial side of uh, trucking um, as you get point A to point B that you can facilitate those types of applications or use cases. Uh, but I, th I think you'll continue to see that build more broadly uh, through consumer applications over time as well. Maybe it's just because I'm in the media bubble here in the media sphere. It just seems like we're seeing a lot more buzz about EVs than AVs at this time. Is Are most companies putting their capital dollars into the one ahead of the other or maybe shifting into EVs saying, let's, let's learn how to walk sustainably before we run digitally? Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see the macro trends around connected vehicles, autonomous, sharing, and electric. We often talk about case uh, at Bridgestone. Those macro trends have been ongoing and will continue to progress into the future. Uh, I think you're seeing significant investment in EV among the OEMs. Uh, you're seeing regulation that's also heading in that direction. And you're seeing more demand from consumers as well as uh, those vehicles become more cost competitive uh, and people think about it from a, more of a total cost of ownership perspective. So um, I think you will see EV probably accelerate a little more quickly and AV uh, follow, but I think it's ultimately going to be the confluence of all of these macro trends, which we're going to really see a major impact in the years to come. Talking about consumer tastes, uh, one of the things that, that we've always been tracking is, you know, the, the, the adopters. And, you know, we've seen that with Tesla. Uh, originally with the Chevy Volt, people said, well, you know, if I can get 100 miles of range, that gets me to and from work without having to put any gasoline in the Volt. So, you know, I can accept that. Then it seems like consumers have kind of raised the bar. We're hearing people saying now, well, yeah, 250 is fine, but I nearly really need 300 to get up to the lake, uh, you know, comfortably. Do you see consumers kind of moving the goalposts on the industry here with what, you know, is an acceptable range? I think that's true for any product in any industry is that consumers are always going to be elevating their expectations. And so at one point, you know, 200 miles might be viewed as a critical threshold, uh, but that is only going to increase, I believe. Um, and so consumers are thinking about the broad mix of the overall performance of the vehicle, the safety of the vehicle, uh, the range of the vehicle and cost. Uh, as well. So I think it's that mix which is ultimately going mm -hmm. to drive consumer adoption within EV, and range is obviously a big piece of that. Within Bridgestone, how does the EV transformation influence what kind of tires you will be producing? Because we know that these EVs generate a lot more torque, and that can generate more wear on the, the vehicle tires. <laughs> I would think that would be good for business, uh, but also it means that you may have to change uh, the, the mix, right? Yeah, I think there's multiple facets related to EVs that are very much related to what we do as Bridgestone on tires. Uh, first is the vehicles tend to weigh 
uh, more and the, the distribution of that weight being lower down in the vehicle. Uh, as you mentioned, the torque of the, of the vehicles uh, putting uh, extra um, you know, pressure, I guess, on the tires. Uh, and then there's also, you know, the noise piece of this where you don't have that internal combustion engine creating noise. So um, people are more in tune with road noise that could be coming uh, into the vehicle. And so that is very much a focus for us in terms of making sure that we have the right solution uh, to meet the needs of the electric vehicle and, and working actively with the OEMs uh, to make sure that we can provide those solutions to them. All right. Well, we will be checking in again with you, Brian, but we appreciate you uh, helping us to kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about is our Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone continues when we come back. Uh, probably the first platform where we'll see true AV application, and that is with Amazon. That's next on Mobility Makers. Welcome back to Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone as we discuss the exciting new world of autonomous vehicles, AVs, and also the electrification of vehicles as well. Very few companies are as far out in front on these issues as the company that we're featuring right now. Uh, Amazon, not only ubiquitous on our roads, uh, but also in the mobility sector, not only interested in the last mile of delivery, but even the last few feet and doing exciting things in that space. Fred Hallway is the Senior Regional Manager for Amazon in Michigan. Fred, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, talk to me just about the, the sustainability and electrification piece at Amazon, because I, I know of no company that has already invested as much in EVs as Amazon. How soon till we'll be seeing them on the road? Yeah, so that's a great question. So uh, currently our entire fleet is gas powered. We have a uh, sustainability uh, initiative that we have piloted and launched along with the climate pledge that we've made through Amazon. Uh, our goal is to have about 10,000 electric vehicles on the road uh, in 2022, uh, and then about 100,000 vehicles on the road that are all EV, 100% electric uh, by 2030. It was interesting. I saw a piece cross my desk today about the fact that already long-haul truckers have found that EVs are even more economically viable than diesels when you factor in maintenance and things like that. In, in terms of your initial research uh, into this, has that been the case? Do they, do they make their own economic uh, case for themselves? Uh, so, I do believe that they make the, an economic case for themselves just based on the, the maintenance that we currently see. Obviously, we'll have to study that as we actually introduce the fleet into uh, not only Michigan, but in the rest of the country. Uh, we'll see uh, uh, trends that start to develop on the maintenance that we have of those vehicles, and then we'll be able to compare them to our current, uh, current fleet of gas vehicles to actually see whether that, that plays out. But it's a very good point that you make, uh, but it's something that we will definitely study as we as we get into this uh, new adventure here at Amazon. How might the vehicle platform change when you make this? Are you going to be running more smaller trucks or do you have to right size the truck at all? Is your fleet pretty much sized the way you need it to be? 
Yeah, so the, the, the fleet consists right now of a couple different options. One is a step van option, which is uh, a larger vehicle that can actually take more packages on it, uh, kind of like what you see in a UPS truck that's on the road right now. Uh, and then we have a partnership uh, with uh, most of our vendors uh, currently for the, the, the traditional blue van that you see out there. It looks like a, a regular size van. But we'll evaluate that going forward. Uh, we have to take a look at a couple of factors. One thing that we look at is, you know, how far we'll actually get with a with a gas powered vehicle versus how long we can actually go with an EV vehicle. Uh, how what the rates the batteries actually wear down at, and that'll actually change maybe potentially some of our uh, route planning and things that we do, like uh, things that we do in planning that actually will affect customers. Yeah. It was, I guess, two auto shows ago in Los Angeles that I met the guys behind Rivian, and mm -hmm. uh, they were rolling out their first SUV and their first truck at the time. Mm -hmm. It was an exciting young company. Uh, they were based at that time here in Plymouth, and uh, they have since kind of, they've done different satellites and are headquartered elsewhere. But what made Amazon choose Rivian as the contractor on this to go with a, a startup rather than a more traditional? Uh, proven entity. Well, you know, uh, Rivian's an excellent company. Uh, we have a great partnership with them, as well as we have some partnerships with uh, with other vehicle manufacturers as well. Uh, we do like the fact that uh, Rivian, uh, kind of like Amazon, is a is a startup, uh, very fresh to new ideas. They're mm -hmm. uh, they're they're very receptive to any ideas on potentially design changes, sustainability, uh, being green. Uh, Rivian is just a partner that we saw that we can build a long term relationship with in the area, and we think that they'll scale to be able to meet the demands that we're going to have of all the vehicles that they'll have to deliver on with our support as well. Well, and that's the important thing is it is a true partnership. It's not a contractor vendor partnership because you truly are, are giving them the kind of input and test platform that will make them a better company down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that we can bring all of our technological kind of prowess or, or innovation uh, to them as well to help assist them in their operations if needed. So what are the trends and the changes that you see? And, and, I, and I'm sure the pandemic has had some influence over this, whether it be uh, food deliveries or, or things like that. But how will the last mile delivery service uh, sphere change over the next few years, do you think? What we're seeing right now in our space and logistics and logistics, particularly in Michigan, is we're going to see potentially explosive growth going forward. Um, uh, in the area, we currently have five delivery stations that are up and operating in the Detroit area. We have one in uh, Detroit, uh, Hazel Park. Uh, we have one in uh, Sterling Heights. We have one in Pontiac, if you saw right by the, uh, the Silver Dome area there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have one at Sterling Heights, which is uh, just opened here recently in the last year. Uh, the, the trend that we're seeing in the industry and what we want to accomplish, especially as we get towards, you know, one day core or one day delivery on all of our products, is the placement of those delivery stations become critical. And the fact that we actually need more of them become critical to the area in, in providing uh, that type of faster, speedier service to our customers. Do you see uh, electrical in, in a conventional sense, rechargeable batteries being the future for Amazon? Or do you see hydrogen fuel cells as being something that are maybe more practical because you can run that vehicle 24-7? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. We use uh, hydrogen fuel cells in some of our uh, actual uh, operations right now for like forklift trucks and things like that, order pickers. We are continuing with the battery-operated rechargeable uh, stations at this time. As you war game, what your needs are going to be and what your expectations are, obviously um, autonomous would be just a game changer so much for Amazon. When do you see level four autonomy coming? When that vehicle can make a delivery totally unassisted? At this time, there's no planning or plans for that. Uh, right now, our direction is towards changing over this entire fleet to battery operated. Okay. But you have to keep in mind as well, uh, we employ a uh, over 300 uh, delivery associates in the area, along with our DSPs or delivery service partners. Uh, so it's providing a lot of jobs for those folks as well. Which is really important. But I, but I've also, and this again may be out of your bailiwick. So forgive me if the question's a little off the wall. But for that, especially with larger deliveries. Uh, it's not just the last mile delivery, it's the last 100 feet that may change. We've seen some use, especially in smaller packages, uh, of small robots being used for that last drop-off. Is that something that's being talked about inside of Amazon? Yeah, I would say at this time, every option is basically on the table for, for things of that nature. We're always trying to improve uh, our customer experience. So anything at Amazon is on the table as long as the end goal is we improve our customer experience and we provide a, a speedier delivery to, to, to our customers. Well, and we've also got the, the VTOL uh, scenario, too, where aerial vertical and takeoff uh, landing vehicles could be used. But I also want to ask you, tell me about Amazon Flex and how uh, you're really leaning into the gig economy with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So Amazon Flex is a service that we provide. If, if we have capacity issues, for example, with our, with our delivery service partners, we take that extra capacity and we actually uh, have an app that anyone can go to. They put that on their phone and they can, it'll take you through the process and they can become an Amazon Flex uh, delivery driver. What that does is it takes that, it, it's a win-win. It provides a job for, for a person out there that needs it. Um, it can pay up to $22 an hour, uh, and they deliver that last capacity out of their cars to an app that goes into a route plan, just like we do for our, just like we do for our delivery service partners. Uh, and they deliver those packages around the Metro Detroit area, uh, while, while getting paid a great wage to do that. Uh, and it's been, it's been awesome for our, not only our our end service customer because we would have to deliver that package the next day if we didn't have enough capacity and it provides a, a meaningful job for folks out there that need it. And and that really is what it comes down to is making sure not just sustainability for the environment but, but sustainability for American families as well. Fred Hallway, we appreciate it so much. Amazon's vision and Amazon's early adopter status. You still have that startup mentality and I think it's a wonderful thing. Thank you very much. When we come back, we're going to be talking with our best contact at the state of Michigan that's leading the way when it comes to autonomy, electrification, and making sure that Michigan is the point of the spear when it comes to autonomous development and job creation. Trevor Paul joining us next on Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone. We'll be back. 
And we welcome you back to Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone. Uh, as we've been looking at this, whether it's through the eyes of a tire maker or one of the end users at Amazon, uh, none of this can come to fruition without a public-private partnership to make sure that there's integration in terms of infrastructure and also that the, that the business environment is properly incentivized. And so we welcome in Trevor Paul, who's Chief Mobility Officer for the state of Michigan at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. It's so good to join you yet again, Trevor. We miss seeing you in person at our different mobility events. Yeah, no, it's great to be on. Uh, hope yeah. you're well, guy. We know there's been a lot of changes. Uh, I think since you and I talked, we've had a change in administration, both in Lansing and, of course, mm -hmm. now in Washington. Um, let's start with some of the, the, the legislative pieces that may be coming to help advance this. Uh, for instance, uh, I had Debbie Dingle on my show the other day discussing a $4.5 billion bill she has uh, to try to make sure that there's proper funding to build out the uh, charging infrastructure, whether it's in Michigan or in other places. How important is that going forward to kind of breaking down that next barrier to uh, just the general public adopting the electrification? Yeah, no, it's critical. Um, you know, the one thing I'd say, too, is I think as much as we're trying to roll out the charging infrastructure necessary to achieve electric vehicle adoption at scale, it's important that we also roll out education programs, right, that uh, allow someone to understand and see, like, hey, I can drive my car up north, and you know what, it's okay if it's electric. Um, and there are charging stations. There's a map that um, works for me to drive up 75 or along Lake Michigan. And that's really what we're looking at at the state level. It's like, okay, so how do we create, um, you know, charging stations with uh, consistent experience and consistent locations? And also like work with other states to ensure that when you cross the state lines, um, there's no drop in quality. Uh, and then the other thing I'd add is fleet transition, making sure that, you know, as we're rolling out charging infrastructure, we're working with DC um, and, and our Michigan delegation to help small business owners, to help, for instance, school districts make the transition to electric and do it in a way um, that benefits them and, and potentially creates new sources of revenue over time. Trevor, whether it's the, the federal government or the state government, I think there's some taxpayers, and I've heard them call into my show and others saying, look, I, I do think uh, that it's important that we do this. I get it. Uh, but I don't know that using tax dollars to directly fund it is the smart thing. Maybe we need to incentivize it. Why can't the, the private uh, manufacturers or the utilities do it rather than taxpayers? Does it need to be taxpayer funded or is, that, is it going to be more the role of the government to basically incentivize it through tax credits and things like that? Or is it going to be direct investment? Yeah, so I, I think it's a mixture of, of all of these things. Uh, both DTE Energy and Consumers Energy locally have programs that uh, create incentives to, for uh, customers, whether they're uh, looking at their personal vehicles or, or business vehicles, to make the switch. Um, and frankly, at the state level, I think there's more that we can be doing. Uh, you know, you look, it, it, I'll give you an example. Uh, if you own an electric vehicle in Michigan, you have to pay a couple hundred dollars extra in your registration, and that—that's something we just—we just can't have um, if we're—if we're trying to get um, the the level of electric vehicles in the state up to, especially to meet the governor's carbon neutrality goal uh, that she has for the state by 2050. So um, eliminating things like that, streamlining the and, and you know the permitting of, of charging station installation. Look at um, you know different sort of EV charger credits. Um, there, there are different things that we can do. 
uh, I think to offset the cost. And I'll give you another really interesting example, guy. You know, I mentioned school buses earlier, but and even some of these larger vehicles, you know, we can use them as energy storage devices. So let's say the grid goes down and there's a nursing home that loses power. If, if we can get more electric uh, school buses online, for example, we can literally drive that school bus over uh, to, the, to the nursing home and it's an energy storage device and it can power this nursing home for a period of time. So there are different sorts of revenue models. I mean, we use our school districts for, for you know, voting, for our sport, sporting events. Why can't they be mini power plants and in turn create new revenue to help you know, pay teachers or improve you know, curriculum, things of that nature. So mm -hmm. um, there's a human element to this. Um, and, and I think the future is going to be pretty bright when it comes to this stuff. We've talked a lot about smart highways, smart roads, smart intersections. Uh, you know, and, and I think we thought that we would be further down the road with that than we are now in terms of investment. And obviously, the pandemic has been a setback to that, too. Uh, how are we doing in, in, in that regard? Yeah, um, actually, I think Michigan is at the cutting edge. Um, you know, uh, earlier on, on the show, it was mentioned, you know, that there's this four unique uh, technologies that are converging, uh, autonomous technology, driverless technology, uh, connected, shared, and then electric technologies. And, you know, because of Michigan's automotive advantage over the last 120 years, it sets us up quite nicely to influence some of these other modes. And uh, in particular, you look at the future of goods delivery and the role that smarter infrastructure will play there. Um, you know, it, it's expected that autonomous technology is expected or will reduce logistics costs by 47% by 2030. That's incredible. And you look at all the assets that Michigan has, for instance, two of the top three border crossings in North America, let's make those smarter and in turn increase commerce flows. And you know, besides sort of the economic story when it comes to smarter infrastructure, I think we can also look at the safety uh, of it all. You know, Over the last decade, we've had nearly 10,000 deaths uh, because of, of traffic accidents and 94% of those were because of human error. So the sooner we get this stuff on the road, the safer we're, we're all gonna be. Last thing I'd leave you with is actually this, the state of Michigan, in partnership with a company called Cavenue, is building the road of the future, uh, a self-driving vehicle corridor between downtown Detroit and Ann Arbor. We're in phase one of that activity, um, and you know the route still hasn't been set, but but the goal will be to leverage autonomous technology in real time to to make our transportation system safer. You know, we're, we're blessed with our university corridor here to have some incredible institutions of higher learning. But I know that making sure that we have the kind of smart workforce that we need to maintain our lead and our participation in this new mobility economy is really important. How are we doing on, on that uh, score, especially in light of, we know this has been a very disruptive year in terms of education. But the one thing that we've seen, and I guess the latest number I saw, is we've had 75,000 Michiganders sign up for Michigan Reconnect, which will get them into the community college system and get their skills upgraded, get them into skilled trades, things like that. How important is that as we try to build the mobility economy here in Michigan? Yeah, no, it's, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, there's going to be massive job displacement as we get further into this future of mobility and future of electrification. Um, people don't realize it, but, but there are less components in an electric vehicle than there is in an uh, internal combustion engine vehicle. So more than ever, you know, funneling, funneling people that are looking to upskill and reskill into the state's programs, which includes the Michigan Reconnect program, 
uh, the governor's 60 by 30 credentialing program that, that helps people um, begin the trajectory toward a higher tech career. Um, and, and some of these other university programs, community college programs that focus on the maintenance of autonomous vehicles, I mean, that's the future. And really, I think the future is bright for our, our workforce, not just, you know, and this is the way that we look at this when it comes to this industry, not just in Michigan, but across the Midwest. I mean, you, you look at, you know, there's 13 top 100 U.S. universities, 15 Ontario universities within a five-hour drive of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, and that gives you access to about uh, 1.3 million students. So, uh, you know, we have a unique opportunity while these students are in the Midwest to keep them here. And, and that's one of the things we're really focused on. We want these people to graduate and, and help build Michigan's mobility ecosystem of the future and not go other places. Um, so, in fact, I just had a meeting on that. It's top of mind right now. Okay, we got a minute left. I want you to give me my best elevator pitch, and I want you to direct it at me because there's a lot of guys out there like me. I have the income for an electric vehicle. I believe in the technology, but I do have a place up north that I need to get to every Friday night, and I don't want to have to wait in line at a charger and grailing. So here's your best pitch. Convince me to get an EV. The future is now. Um, Right as we speak, global carbon emissions from transportation are exceeding carbon emissions from buildings around the world. And you're seeing that with climate change events in virtually every season, from wildfires to tornadoes to snowstorms. So there's there's an urgency to act right now. Uh, But then when you look at the benefits that you get from an electric vehicle, not having to stop at a gas station, um, get out, pump for a couple of minutes, and pay more than you would if you charged a vehicle um, in your own garage. Um, and then you, you look at what's, where the future's going in terms of the economy. And GM switching over to electric vehicles, Ford making massive investments. I mean, that, this is where our economy's going. And as much as you would wanna drive an electric vehicle and driving an electric vehicle, you are supporting our economy in an in a, in a incredibly critical way. Um, this is the future of mobility, and it needs to happen in Michigan. So by purchasing an electric vehicle, you're helping us work towards that goal. That's a really good point. You missed one, though. Zero to 60 in three seconds, my friend, and that's a lot of fun. <laughs> I should have you pitched me. That was, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, that's, don't, don't sell the fun factor short. Um, I know. I'm so used to selling like the, the climate factor and the economic factor. You, you threw me for a loop. <laughs> Trevor, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and we appreciate the role that Michigan's going to play, not only in participating, but in leading. Thank you, Guy. Take care. Trevor Paul, uh, the Chief Mobility Officer for the great state of Michigan. Uh, We're going to wrap things up with Brian Goldstein and Bridgestone, our sponsors of the program, when we return. Mobility Makers Special Edition just ahead on WJR after this important message. And welcome back to our final segment of Mobility Makers Special Edition presented by Bridgestone. And when we talk about Bridgestone, you got to, of course, I instantly think about golf balls, but it's also about tires as well. They've got so many great products. What you don't probably know about the company, though, is the level of technology that they're involved in, Uh, the kinds of things that are ones and zeros. Uh, not necessarily the the big circle you see that connects us to the road. And so when we invite back Brian Goldstein, who is the president of Mobility Solutions, to talk about that, 
Uh, Brian, when I was out at CES, uh, and I, honestly, it was the last event I attended before everything shut down in the pandemic, had great discussions with you and, and your cohorts about how you're helping long haul truckers maximize their efficiencies with a lot of onboard technology. Explain to our listeners that side of the business that they may not know about. Yeah, no, that would be great. Um, we, we're very much focused on advancing transportation for a more sustainable future and really empowering and enabling this mobility future. And a big way that we do that is through data that we can turn into insight and thus into action. And so it really starts with data. And uh, that can come from either sensors that more and more you'll find in the tires. It will come from other information or data that we're able to get from the vehicle or from other sources. And so we like to talk about this framework of sense, think, and act. And so by sensing, we're able to gather that data. The thinking is really applying the advanced analytics then to that data. That's really where you uh, get the insights. And so either those could be things like generating the right alerts, uh, the right reporting, uh, or more and more prediction. Uh, and that comes through algorithms or predictive models. And so that we are able to deploy the technology and communicate to the fleet uh, not only that they may have an issue, but even predict when they may have an issue. And then the last piece is what we talk about, uh, the act side of this, which is really making sure that that service is taken care of. And so ultimately you deliver against two different benefits. One is maximizing the utilization of the asset and helping the fleet maintain as much uptime as possible. And secondly is to help do so in a more automated way uh, to eliminate some of the inefficiencies that exist currently within the ecosystem. On the user end, the end user end, how does that improve um, their, what is the benefit to them? Um, I mean, look, we know that every road service is different. We know that the, the, the climate change that most of us are familiar with happens minute by minute as maybe it rains and or we have the uh, we have precipitation on the road and our vehicle has to respond to that. And because Bridgestone tires are the touch point with the road, that's the first point that we can gather that data. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, I'll give you three examples. Uh, first is just proactive pressure management of the tires. And so uh, on a long haul truck, uh, making sure that we're maintaining the right uh, level of pressure uh, brings all kinds of benefits to safety, fuel economy, um, and overall uh, ability to leverage that asset longer. Uh, and I'll come back to that one in a bit. But what we have found is better tire pressure management can reduce breakdowns uh, by over 50% um, by those fleets that are actually managing that really? pressure. Really? That much? Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that we have found is... Um, Unlike your typical passenger vehicle, which has an automated TPMS, commercial vehicles, uh, a much smaller percentage of them have that. And so by providing that tool, and then it's not just having the, that reading, but also the proper alerting and communication to those um, who are in a position to then act upon that. Uh, can make a huge difference in, in maximizing the uptime for the fleet. Um, one of the interesting facts is uh, most pressure loss is slow leaks. 
And those can take anywhere up to three days on average before they actually hit a critical threshold. And that can cause a breakdown. Uh, and then you need an emergency roadsides type of service event. Um, well, we have an algorithm that we can communicate to that fleet operator or to that driver within about 12 hours that they have a slow pressure leak and we can get that uh, issue addressed before it becomes at a critical state. Uh, the other thing we can do is help to protect the integrity of the tire itself. And we'll talk about the casing. So think about that as removing the tread and that underlying casing. Well, in a commercial trucking um, use case, they can be retread, retreaded. And uh, there's economic benefits, but there's also great sustainability benefits. And so by monitoring the pressure of that tire, treating that tire uh, in a way that uh, manages the overall performance of it and the use of it, we can then retread that casing multiple times. And again, there's economic benefit and sustainability benefit because if you uh, think about reusing 70% of the right. tire multiple times, that's just a good thing too for the environment. Well, let's also talk about, I mean, to those of us that share the road with these Goliaths, the, the safety benefits, not just to the, the operator of the vehicle, but to all of us that share the road with it. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, fewer breakdowns means fewer trucks sitting along the side of the road, which can also create uh, safety concerns, uh, as well as, you know, idling trucks along the side of the roads, which is, again, uh, not optimal for the benefits of the environment. So, yeah, absolutely. That's where we're really focused on driving efficiency, safety and sustainability through our digital solutions. So in, in addition to that, uh, what are the other ways that Bridgestone is kind of tackling and anticipating the needs of customers like Amazon as it looks forward to the future and also the people of Michigan as we participate in the smart mobility sector? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I found interesting that Fred discussed is we have to consider as we move to EV, how far can these vehicles go? Uh, they want to make sure they maintain a great customer experience and speedier delivery. And so our focus is, as Amazon being our customer, is to help enable them to do that. And so making sure that they're getting the right information from those tires into the overall connected vehicle and being able to provide them the insights as to how those tires are performing, the impact it's having on the overall performance of the vehicle so that they can be confident that that vehicle is not only going to make it through the day because it has enough charge, uh, but it's going to make it through the day because the tires are going to perform in a way that they expect them to perform. So with the final minute and a half here that we have, Brian, give me the big picture, what the next uh, 18 months to two years, maybe three years, what the big goals are that Bridgestone will be helping us reach. Yeah, our focus is really on advancing uh, mobility through these new digital solutions. And so the idea of the connected tire, the smart sensing tire, and how that integrates in with overall vehicle, connected vehicle platforms, and really helps to enable our customers to be able to increase their uptime, reduce their total cost of ownership, uh, and also provide those great sustainability benefits through enabling the opportunity for retreading of those tires and really maximizing the usage of that asset. 
Brian, it's an exciting future, and we're so pleased that Bridgestone is playing such an important and leading role into it. And thank you so much for sharing it and also uh, for sponsoring this program, which I think really helps people wrap their heads around this incredibly complex universe that we're entering. Yeah, Guy, thank you very much for the opportunity. We're thrilled to be part of the show, and it was great to hear from Fred and Trevor today as well, and uh, looking forward to uh, having future conversations on these topics. It's the first of many, I am sure. Uh, thanks to you. Thanks to Bridgestone. Thanks to our listeners who have joined us here on News Talk 760 WJR. That will do it for this special edition of Mobility Makers presented by Bridgestone as we drive into the future. Take care.